So here we are this morning in a church, a house of prayer. And today's gospel story also takes place in a house of prayer. In this case, the temple. And we have two characters in this story. They are both praying. The first person is a Pharisee. We've been hearing a lot about Pharisees in the book of Luke lately. And as many of you know, they were a group of people who were devoted to following the law of the religion. Just very religious people. And in this story, we have a Pharisee in the temple praying a prayer of gratitude. And here is his prayer. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. Now before we chuckle and roll our eyes at this guy, let's take a second. He isn't such a bad guy. In fact, he's a model churchgoer or temple-goer. He's praying. He is grateful. He's generous with his money. He has a good discipline of spiritual practices. So what's the problem? There's someone else praying in the temple near him, a tax collector. Tax collectors were usually wealthy, and they got wealthy by taking more tax money than they were supposed to from their own people and keeping the extra for profit. This was allowed by the Roman government. Tax collectors took advantage of the poor. They were dishonest, powerful, and understandably despised. So doesn't it make sense that the Pharisee sees the tax collector praying in the temple and judges him a little? I can imagine him thinking, oh, I can't believe he's here in the temple. My brother is in recovery. He went through the rescue mission here in Santa Barbara, and he's been sober for about three years. And he told me a story just the other day about a friend of his who said to him, I go to AA meetings so that I can get fit to go to church. What makes her feel like she can't be herself as she is now in church? What makes her think she needs to be fit enough? And what is it about AA that allows her to show up as she is and feel welcome? A pastor friend of mine goes to 12-step meetings regularly, and he isn't in recovery. He goes because he says it feels like real church to him. He says there is no posturing, no judging, no hiding, and there is deep welcome, radical honesty, which is another way of saying humility. Cut to the temple in our story today, the place of worship, the house of prayer, Is there posturing going on? Judgment? Welcome? Humility? For some reason, and we don't know what, this tax collector has come to the temple. And it says he is standing far off, and he wouldn't even turn his eyes to heaven. So clearly he can barely bring himself to come inside. He is full of shame. Something has happened in his life, And he has experienced radical self-honesty, and he sees who he's become. He's full of remorse, and he wants to seek God. So he darkens the door of the temple, and the religious one praying inside rolls his eyes and thanks God he is not like him. 
who, I wonder, if, if they were to walk right in this door right now in the middle of my sermon, would cause me to roll my eyes inside, to ask myself, what are they doing here in church? Or we can look at it from another angle. Maybe I'm sometimes more like the tax collector. Is there anything I feel like I need to leave outside that door in order to feel worthy being here? Now, one of the things I love about St. Mike's is there isn't any expectation of formality or a down-to-earth bunch. But I do think it's interesting to think about because the culture still thinks of church from another era. Over time, we've inherited an unspoken and maybe even unconscious message that says church is the place where we must be proper and only bring parts of ourselves. Like my brother's friend who doesn't feel fit, like she can come to church um, until she's ready. Do we feel like church is only for people who have it all together? And why are we so obsessed as a culture with having it all together? Author Annie Dillard writes, It is madness to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews. For the sleeping God may wake someday and take offense. Or the waking God may draw us out to where we never can return. Isn't that what's going on here in this story? The Pharisees' religion doesn't need a crash helmet. It's safe. It's controlled. It's clear who's in and who's out, who's worthy and unworthy. And the Pharisee knows exactly where God draws those lines, too, especially in the temple. The tax collector, however, is a mess. He's been broken open, and God is running to meet him halfway. And who knows where this is headed? We don't get to find out what happens to this guy. But if the Pharisee is standing alone, Over there, silently judging this man while praying, he certainly isn't doing anything to help the tax collector on his journey toward wholeness. But both these people need help. We need each other. Let's look at the prayers of both of these guys. The Pharisee's prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. And he lists the categories of people, and he lists the ways he's proving himself worthy of God's love. The tax collector's prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. One is a prayer of addition, of proving. The other is a prayer of subtraction, of letting go. One is a prayer of standing on solid ground. The other is a prayer of the falling out of the ground below him. Father Richard Rohr is a great teacher on prayer, and he calls it, this is what he calls prayer, planned and organized failure. He says we can practice bumping up against ourselves and our inability to get to that oneness with God that we crave. He says that what we're doing in prayer is allowing our self-made foundations to crumble so that God's foundation can be our reality. And he calls it the path of descent. So the Pharisee is building up, adding things to his spiritual resume, and the tax collector is failing, subtracting, falling apart, falling into God. Now, I'm not implying that we have to completely fall apart all the time, walk around full of shame and brokenness in order to feel close to God. But I do think it is a call to honesty and away from our ability to compartmentalize these parts of ourselves. A few years ago, I went on this centering prayer retreat. I was really 
busy and stressed out, and I needed a day of quiet. I needed a day of reconnection with God. So I went to this beautiful place nearby, and the birds were singing, and there was so much nature and silence all day long, and community, and a lot of quiet prayer. And I felt really good. I was proud that I had made, set the day apart to go, and I had found this inner peace. And I came, I was ready to come home and you know, let it flow. And the minute I opened my front door, it was like I underwent a sea change. And I was irritable and yelling at my kids and grumpy mom, just really terrible. Totally viewing my kids with contempt and deciding they were terrible humans. And (laughs) that night after I put them to bed, I noticed that I was being just like this Pharisee, separating out my spirituality from my actual attitude toward others in my life. And it's okay. It happens to all of us. And that's the good news. But it really is about humility, isn't it? Not shame, but humility, honesty, realizing we can't do this all by ourselves. I think of how the Pharisee could have prayed a different prayer. God, help me to see that I am just like other people. A prayer I sure could use these days, amidst all the contempt and vitriol swirling around us. I hear the words of Dr. Martin Luther King, you can have no influence over those for whom you have underlying contempt. Lord, have mercy. The good news is, the minute we realize this, God rushes in. In today's story, the tax collector is standing far off, at the very edge of the temple, just at the door. And these words remind me of another parable in which the wayward one, the one full of shame, is also standing far off. In that amazing parable of the prodigal son, the son, the older brother who is returning home after squandering all of his father's money, he realizes what he's done, and he starts heading home to seek forgiveness. And the story says, while he was still standing far off, his father runs out to meet him and embraces him and takes him home and throws a party. And the younger brother, the good one, the one following all the rules, the one like the Pharisee, he can't stand it. And he holds his brother in contempt, and he can't join the party. He doesn't recognize his contempt because it's hidden under self-righteousness, and it's keeping him from the love that is available to him. But God will rush in to meet him, too, when he's ready. Would that I, be that, would that I could be that quick to offer grace and forgiveness and second chances. And so the Pharisee's prayer could have been, God, I thank you that I am just like other people. And he could have walked over to that despicable tax collector, and he could have said to him, I see that you're having a rough day. You are welcome here. Amen. Amen.